And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And we'll stop our reading uh, right there here in Acts chapter 8. But if we go back to verse 1, it begins with, And Saul was consenting unto his death. This, uh, this Saul, you read at the end of Acts chapter 7, he held the garments of those people who were stoning Stephen, who were stoning the first uh, martyr of Christianity, the first uh, martyr of the believers in Christ. Saul stood there. Saul, whom in Acts chapter 13 would let her be known as Paul. And we see in Acts chapter 13 where Saul uh, not, not became Paul. Saul was still the, the same man as far as uh, the, the human being is concerned, but he began to be called Paul uh, just a few chapters from where we're at now. But this was the same man, but it says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. Uh, and at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at uh, Jerusalem. So Saul consenting to the death of Stephen here. Stephen, as I've already said, had delivered this scathing sermon uh, to the Jews that were present there. They didn't like what they what they heard, so they killed this man, Stephen, and Saul was consenting. He approved of the death of Stephen. Saul, this man who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he was a Jew of the Jew. The Bible tells us he was of the tribe of, uh, of Benjamin. Uh, the Bible tells us there was no man that kept the law. This was Paul's own words. He said there was no man that kept the law like he did. This man who depended upon the law. This man who had his faith in the law. He had salvation tied up in the law that Almighty God had given over in the Old Testament. And folks, there's people in the church houses now. There's people all over this world, whether they go to church or whether they don't. They're, they're tying salvation up in the law. They're mixing the law and grace. And folks, we cannot do that. Salvation is not of the law. Condemnation is of the law. The salvation is of God. Salvation is a gift of grace of God. Salvation is a pure gift of God. And it is pure grace that comes from God. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation. There is nothing we can do to be reconciled back to the Father who has cast us off. There is nothing that we can do to be redeemed. There is no law that we can keep that can get us back into right relationship with Almighty God. But this man Saul, who was consenting unto the death of Stephen, he thought that he was doing good by God. He thought that he was doing God a favor by holding the garments of those who were stoning this Christian man named Stephen to death. He thought that he was doing well. He thought that maybe he was getting a check mark up in heaven. He thought that God was smiling down upon his actions. But how much wrong, how much more wrong could he have been in his assumption? Because grace had come at this time. Jesus Christ had been crucified. He had been buried. He had been resurrected. And the beginning of the book of Acts, he had ascended unto the Father. Grace had come into the picture, and I praise God for the grace that he shows us, fallen man. I praise God for the redemption that we have, not in our own works, not in anything that we can 
do. Right. If we were depending upon ourselves to keep the law, everybody in here under the sound of my voice would still be headed on the road straight to hell. But because right. of the grace of God, I don't depend upon me. I don't depend upon my good deeds. I depend upon the good work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross at Calvary yeah. 2,000 years ago. And that's all that I can depend on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This man, Saul, he was consenting under the death of Stephen. It says, at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And it says that Saul, he wreaked havoc upon the church. And he went in and he was hailing the men and women, the Christians, and he was imprisoning them. We all know this account of Saul. If, we're, uh, if we've been in the Bible any amount of time, we all know that he hated the church. He persecuted the church of God. He persecuted the believers in Jesus Christ. He sought to imprison them. He sought to kill them. He sought to have them arrested. He sought to do harm to the plan that Almighty God had placed had been had in place since the beginning of time. And folks, I'm glad to report to you that there is nothing that can stop the plan of Almighty God. This man Saul can do it. The devil himself cannot do it. Every army of demons that's out there doesn't have the power to stop the plan of God for salvation for fallen man. And I say praise God for that. Amen. No one can stop God's plan. Although right. Saul tried. And Saul wasn't the only one. There were others that we read about in scriptures that tried to put an end uh, to the plan of God. Tried to put an end to the salvation. Satan himself has tried. The demons have tried. Human beings have tried. I'm sure influenced by Satan and influenced by those demons. But folks, right. nothing can stop the plan of Almighty God. We read in verse 4. Therefore they were scattered abroad when uh, when. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Folks, hey, persecution may come our way, dear Christian friend. Persecution may very well come our way. It's already here in the States, not like we see it overseas, not like we read about it in the Bible, but there is there is persecution right here in the United States of America. But praise God, I'm, I, I can tell you, I have not yet suffered under blood, as the writer to the Hebrews says. I had not yet suffered under blood. I have not been truly persecuted as some of the people in the Bible, such as Stephen, was persecuted. I haven't been persecuted in that manner, but praise God, if it does come down to that matter, if it does come to a disbursement of the Christians, we should do just like these Christians did here that were at Jerusalem, and when we're scattered abroad, when we're scattered, when we're dispersed across the counties and across the states and maybe across the countries wherever we go we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ we need to tell about the salvation that he has brought in our lives we need to tell the world and be witnesses of the life that has entered into our lives hallelujah therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere went everywhere not hiding not cowering in fear, not wandering 
if they were going to be killed the very next step they took or the next day that they woke up. No wonder if someone was going to bust in the doors of whatever dwelling they were staying in and arrest them. It says they went everywhere preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Philip goes down to Samaria and preaches Christ to these Samaritans, these people who were half-breeds, according to the Jews, these people who were half-heathen, according to the Jews. They were part Gentile, and they were part Jewish, but Philip goes down into this land of Samaria. He doesn't He doesn't hold back. Hey, folks, could you imagine, for just one moment, could you imagine if the high priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ? Could you imagine how hard it would have been to get these Christians out of Jerusalem to get them out into the other countries and down into the other cities. Could you imagine how long they would have stayed there in Jerusalem and then the law truly would have been mixed up with the gospel and you would have had to have included circumcision like some of the Jews tried to do. You would have had to have included the law. You would have had to have included this and that because the Jews would have mixed this stuff in with it. But God, he dispersed these people. He dispersed the believers. We read in the scripture, they were dispersed because of persecution, but it was all in the plan of Almighty God to have them dispersed, to go to the different areas, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and preach the word of God that anybody, whether they were Jew, whether they were Gentile, or whether they were Samaritan, anybody could hear the gospel, and hallelujah, they could be saved. Hallelujah. We need Praise to keep that in our minds. I wish yes. I had a room full of preachers right now. Yeah. Preachers need to keep in their minds. God can save anybody. That's right. It don't matter skin color. Yeah. It doesn't matter their background. Amen. It doesn't Amen. matter how rich they are. It doesn't matter how poor they are. It don't matter if they can put a quarter in the coffer at the at the church or if they can put a hundred dollar bill in every service in the coffer Amen. at the right. church. It doesn't matter. God can save anybody and it is God's Amen. will to save everybody. For the Bible yes, said it is not his will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. This man Philip went down into the city of Samaria, the Samaritans and the Jews, we know they hated one another, the Jews hated Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews, but nevertheless the gospel went and God preached the word of God made it to Samaria by way of this man Philip, the gospel was preached and the Bible tells us in verse 8 that there was great joy in that city, praise God Amen. and the joy wasn't because of the man Philip. The joy wasn't because of the miracles that he wrought. Yes, he wrought miracles while he was there. It says in verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and they and that were lame were healed. And there was a there was great joy in that city. What was the cause of the joy though? You have to go back up to verse 5. He preached Christ unto them. Then Philip 
went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Yes, folks. Yes, they witnessed the miracles. Whatever uh, miracles that Philip brought. I don't know if this is an exhaustive list that we have here uh, in these verses or not. But whatever miracles that God empowered Philip to work there. Yes, they fell witnesses or witness to these miracles. But, uh, but it all began with Philip preaching Christ to them. This is the reason for the great joy. Hey folks, there were people that followed Jesus around for three years. They followed him around. They saw him work the miracles. They saw him open the blind eyes. They saw him unstop the, the deaf ears. They saw him heal the lame. They saw him cure the leprosy. They saw all of these miracles that Jesus Christ did. And some of them followed because they wanted to see the next miracle. Some of them followed because they were simply fed among the four of the five thousand. Some of them followed for their own specific reasons, but some of them, hey, some of them followed that followed him because they truly believed that this was the promised Messiah, that this was the Son of God, that this was the one that was promised that would deliver the Jews out of their bondage. This was the promised one. This was the Son of David. This was the root out of dry ground. This was the branch that was promised in the Old Testament. Some people People actually believe this, and I am one of them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But not everybody's going to believe that. What's a miracle that we can we can rock, uh, that we could work in front of people? They might believe. Could I call down fire and brimstone out of heaven? Could I could I call a man that's dead back to life? Could I heal a blind man? Could I heal someone of some disease? What was the greatest miracle we can show people as after we've told them about Christ is to prove Christ to them in your life. It's to prove Christ. If it's somebody you've known for years, if it's somebody, I'll tell you right now, folks that I knew in high school, they can't believe the change that Christ made in me. Folks I knew on up through my 20s, they can't believe the change that Christ made made in me. It wasn't me that made that change though. It was Jesus Christ that did that. Yes. That is the testimony that I have. That Jesus Christ saved my soul. But uh, Me just telling them that, hey, some people won't prove and, and, I, and that proof is in the life that I live. That proof is in, in the way that I live. That proof is in the way that I walk. It's in the way that I talk. It's in the way that I act. It is everything that this Bible says that I should be this Bible teaches us how we should walk, how we should talk, how we should act, how we should act as true Christians, how we should live a life that glorifies Almighty God and that magnifies the name of Jesus Christ. If I tell somebody that I got saved but I don't have the life to prove it, chances are I've never received anything. We've got to be careful with these things. Be careful. Search yourself. Search your soul. Search your own heart. See if you're really of the faith. These people here, though, they believed what, what Philip came preaching. They believed the Christ that he came preaching. And there was great joy in that city. Folks, what, what began all of this? Persecution began all of this. Persecution began it all. We can go back to Acts chapter 3. 
Once again, you go back to Acts chapter 3, you see where Peter and John go up to the temple. The lame man is healed. All this crowd gathers around. And Peter doesn't use that for an opportunity to have people pat him on the back. And people to, uh, and people to congratulate him. And people to woo over him. And talk about how wonderful he is. Peter saw that as an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because Peter used that opportunity when it was presented to him, there were thousands of people as per the scripture that got saved that day there were thousands of Jews that were there at the temple and they said and the Bible teaches that they heard Peter and they believed hey when somebody comes our way and somebody says boy you've really changed you've made a change in your life you need to tell them it wasn't me that made this change if it was up to me I would still be on the broad path I would still be going to that wide gate that leads to destruction but almighty God. He saved my soul. He lifted me up out of the miry clay, set my feet upon the solid ground, and he established my goings. It's never us. It is not us that does this. Do we have to put some effort into it? Of course we do. I ain't going to stand here and tell you that we don't, but it is God. Ultimately, it is God that makes the change in our life. There was joy. There was great joy in this city because of a message that one man came and preached the message of Jesus Christ but it all started with persecution and folks that brings me great comfort it brings me great comfort knowing that no matter what comes my way and it may not be persecution it may not be your family hating you it may not be your co-workers hating you it may not be friends turning their backs on you it could be it could be any number of things that could that could discourage a christian in the way yes we're talking about persecution here but folks it doesn't matter what it is it could be disease it could be financial problems it could be health problems it could be all kinds of different things it could be relationship problems any of these things can be discouragement in the heart and in the life of a believer but it, but it brings me great joy and great peace to know that almighty God no matter what storm comes in my direction no matter what waves crash into the boat no matter what comes my way almighty God is more than capable and he is more than able to take what I see as a bad thing and to turn it into a good thing for his righteousness and for his glory you can take the negative negativity in your life and use it for his good. I ain't saying that we need to praise God for every bad thing that comes our way. Praise God for what he can do with it, though. Praise God for what he can do with these bad things that might come our way, with these negative things that come our way. Praise God before it even happens. Praise God. Say, God, I know you're going to deliver me because you've delivered me in the past. You delivered me once from this very same situation. And I know because you did it then, you can do it now. Praise God for these things. If persecution comes your way, hey, God Almighty can do great and wonderful things with persecution in your life. He can do great and wonderful and mighty things with anything negative that comes in your life. No matter what it is, God Almighty can do these things. And you don't have to be anybody with any clout. You don't have to be anybody that has any name. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we read of the faith of Abraham and the faith of Sarah and the faith of Moses. We read of the faith of David and the faith of Jephthah and the faith of Samson. And we read of the faith of all these big names 
that are in the scripture. But if you go down just a little bit further, you read about some others that, that suffered trials of mocking. They suffered trials of scourging. They suffered. They were slain with the sword. They were sawn asunder. And God said that the world was not worthy of them. And none of them's names are listed. That's right. Mm. None of them. I'm part of the others. They ain't hardly anybody knows who I am. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But God can still use me. God can still use you. Don't think that you have to be like King David. Don't think that you've got to be like Queen Esther. Don't think that you've got to be a Ruth or a Boaz. You don't have to be any of these people. Don't think that you've got to be a Moses. Folks, God can use you. He can right. just like, hey, he used Saul, did he not? He used Saul uh, in a way that Saul would have never dreamed that he was going to be used. Just, a, just a, a chapter after this, hey, we read about the conversion of Saul. We read about Saul. He was on that road to Damascus. He was carrying the letters to have the Christians arrested and Jesus Christ came down. Jesus Christ came down on the scene and he asked Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And this was the beginning of the conversion of this man that was consenting to the death of the first martyr of the Christian church. God can use anyone and God can save anyone. Hallelujah. If he can save Saul, he can save anybody. If he can save me, I promise you, he can save anybody. Amen. But don't think just because you feel like a nobody that God can't use you. And don't think just because you feel like a nobody that God won't use you. Saul is not the only one we find like that. We are going back to chapter 13 just a little while ago. <clears throat> and I was talking about how God can use health for his glory and for his honor. He can also use it to work salvation in the life of, of another person. You read Acts chapter, chapter 13 sometimes, you'll read about a man, Camillus. He was a sorcerer. His other name was Bar-Jesus, meaning son of Jesus. He was a deceiver. Mm. Paul calls him out in this, uh, in this deceptiveness. There was another man who was a consul of the town. His name was Sergio. Or Sergius, I'm sorry, Sergius. God was going to work on Sergius. God had all intentions of saving Sergius. But this other man, this sorcerer, he was going to get in the way. And Paul called him out on it. So what happens? Paul calls blindness down on this sorcerer. And it says that he went about seeking someone to hold his or someone to guide him by the hand. He went about seeking someone. That tells me. That he was coming to people, but nobody would help him. Nobody would help him as he was asking people, hey, help me, guide me along, guide me along this road, guide me where I need to go, guide me to the local shop, guide me, guide me home, guide me somewhere. It says he was seeking for someone to help him. God used that to get to Sergius. Sergius witnessed this. He witnessed this sorcerer be blinded. And he believed the gospel that Paul preached. Amen. So folks, you, I tell you this story. Now I understand that, uh, that this sorcerer, he, he wasn't a believer. I get that. But God can use your illness. God can use your, the negativity in your life. God can use your injuries. 
He can use your cancer. He can use your headaches. He can use all these things to get to someone else. He, can, he uses these things for his glory. And you might say, my goodness, that don't make very good sense to me. Hey, folks, it don't make good sense to me that a perfect man came here and lived a perfect life and died a death on a tree for me. That don't make any sense at all. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's just uncomprehendable to me that someone who had never committed sin hung on a tree in my place. So if that don't make sense to me, hey folks, it, it, it makes it seems like it would make even less sense that God would use something of, of mine, some disease that I might have, some uh, some negative attribute of mine to get to someone else. He might use you though to get to someone else if you're suffering or if you're being persecuted, if you're suffering with disease or with sickness or with any kind of trouble in your life. You glorify God in those times. You glorify God in your times of trouble and people around you will witness these things and God can use that to work salvation in someone's heart. Amen. If you've been testified Amen. of Jesus Christ to someone, someone in your family, a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, children, grandchildren, and they see you with little faith, what are they going to think? Mm. Now, folks, I'll tell you right now, I don't have nearly as much faith as I feel like I should have. I, I feel like I'm the least among, as it's said so many times by so many uh, people. Mm. I feel like I have very little faith, but I got enough faith to where God saved me. I got enough faith in Almighty God and in Christ Jesus my Lord that God saved my unworthy soul. But if we're testifying of the goodness of God and we're testifying of the mercy of God to lost people, if we're testifying of the grace of God to lost people and yet we're acting like we're not getting any grace from God, what kind of picture does that paint for them? What kind of picture does that give them? Folks, I tell you, a wonderful picture of the grace of God is there at the end of Acts chapter 7, what I was talking about just a little while ago, where Stephen, praising the God, says, lay not this sin to their charge. These men that were getting ready to murder him, he says, lay not this sin to their charge. If that wasn't a picture of the grace of God, I don't know what is in Scripture. Folks, the grace of God is a picture of a man hanging on a cross that had never committed sin. A man that was cursed hanging there on a tree. A man who knew no sin became sin for you. That is a picture of the grace of God. Him bleeding and suffering and being beaten and having his beard plucked out of his cheeks and taking the, the beating and the suffering and the tree and the crucifixion and the mocking and the scourging for you. That is nothing but the pure undefiled grace of God. That's the greatest picture Hallelujah. of the grace of God is the Thank suffering you, that Christ put up with for you in your stead and in my stead. That is the grace of God. So when you feel like you're not getting any grace, if you're born again, you've got plenty of it. Amen. You've got plenty of the grace of God. Amen. i got good news. There's even more. <laughs> it's, a, it's limitless. The grace of yes. God is limitless. And I can say that with the authority of Scripture because God is limitless. 
Everything about God, y'all have heard me say it time and time again, everything about God is eternal. And that includes his grace. That includes his mercy. That includes his forgiveness. That includes his long-suffering. Praise God. Everything about God is eternal. If it comes from God, it is eternal. That includes grace and mercy. It also includes wrath and fury. All of these things are attributes of God. And all of them are eternal. But folks, no matter where you go, and no matter the cause for you going there, whether you're going on vacation, whether you're going for a little rest and relaxation somewhere, or whether you're like these people here in Acts chapter 8, and you've been dispersed because the persecution was so heavy, no matter where you are, or, or like we kind of added to this picture, if you've got health problems, you wind up at the hospital, you wind up at a clinic, you wind up wherever, no matter where you are, tell people about Christ. Yeah. Tell people yeah. about Christ. God can use any situation in your life right. for his glory, whether it be negative or whether it be positive. And Christians, folks, we are the worst. We'll brag on God all day long when things are going right. We'll brag on God say, I got a raise this week. I'm buying a new car next week. This happened, that happened, and I'm just tickled to death because of it. We'll brag on God all day long over these things. I ain't saying you wake up in the morning with, a, with the worst headache that you've had in your life and suddenly you praise God. But hey, praise him for waking you up that morning. He didn't have to do so. Praise him for the other things. You may not have to praise him. You may not feel the need to praise him for the problems in your life, but praise him that hey, sooner or later that headache's going to be healed. Sooner or later that sickness will be healed. Sooner or later everything that's negative, everything that's sickly, everything that's uncomely in your life is promised by the words of the scripture to disappear someday after a while. Hallelujah. Praise God for that day. Even though it ain't come yet. Praise God for it. Preach Christ where you go. That's right. And there'll be joy in those cities, there'll be joy in those countries, there'll be joy in those hospitals, in those clinics, Amen. maybe even in your own house. Yes. In the house of, of extended family. Preach Christ and Him crucified. That's where the joy is at. It's Amen. In Christ, in Christ alone. God yes. bless y'all. That's the message. Amen. Thank you. <coughs>